Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk curling. The Briar just underway in the Calgary bubble. Our friend Ted Wyman hops by as we preview the action and try to pick a winner. It's pretty tough. This field is really dang good. Also, the Winnipeg Ice just got back on the ice. For the first time in a year, they're practicing in a Regina bubble. It's all about bubbles. Their first game coming up on the 13th against Brandon. Their head coach, James Patrick, joins us to tell us how things are going in Regina on the podcast. Ted, did you have a a nice little recovery? Five days without curling, ready to go at it again for another 10? (laughs) Well, maybe two days where I didn't uh, think about curling at all, and then two days of previews for the Briar. So I guess... uh... Not the big holiday from it, but uh, you know what? It's that kind. That's it's that time of year, Christian. And um, most years, I actually get to go to these things, and you get immersed in it, and it's great. And this year, we're doing it from home, but it's still uh, it's still exciting. And I and I honestly think you talked about it uh, right off the top there. It it really is an incredible field here, and who's going to win it? Boy, that's a pick 'em between a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. And we both talked to to Skips this week. I had Jason and Mike on the show on Wednesday to, as they were locked in hotel rooms getting ready for the action. And looking back to last year, they both did very well in the pool play round and then not so much once it got to the championship pool. Mike ended up losing in a, in a tiebreaker and Jason Gunn looked and lost all four of his games in the championship pool. Let's start with the Manitoba teams and your expectations for them this week. Well, that is a really interesting question. Uh, as I said to Mike when I was talking to him on the phone the other day, I said, well, you guys only played in one event this year and you won it, so that's got to be a good sign. That was uh, the only uh, bond spiel that they were able to get to was in um, Penticton, I believe it was, in November. And, and yeah, they, it was a good field there, too. And they won it, and that was without any practice at all, really. So here they're going in. They've had a bit of practice. They were able to get into the granite and uh, and throw some rocks. And so, uh, you know, I think that they're feeling pretty good about the way they're going in here. It's just going to be a crapshoot. The one thing that Mike is a very reflective guy, as you know, and the one thing that he said to me was that that's the thing he's been trying to figure out. It's why is it that he's able to have these good preliminary rounds and be in a good position and then kind of falter right at the end when it's getting time to get into the playoffs. He hasn't done it the last three years, no playoffs. And uh, he equated it a little bit to wondering whether it has something to do with being in the new pool play format where they split it into two pools and then have a championship round. It hasn't gone well for him in that, in that system. I don't think he wants to try to lay it on the system at all, but he just wonders why that doesn't agree with him. Uh, And it's two different teams that he's talking about that that's happened with as well. Um, And the Jason Gunnison team, tons of talent there, right? We saw what they could do in the Briar last year, and they went 5-2 and in pool play, and and Jason was shooting the lights out and the highlight reels, and it was great to see. But then they did, it did fall off for them. Uh, They lost all of their championship round games. And then they haven't played at all since then as a team, not once. Um, they had Adam Casey, who lives in PEI. The, they're seeing him for the first time this week since last year at the Briar in Kingston. And then, you know, they got a new player in Matt Wozniak, who replaced Alex Forrest after last season. So I think they're going to have a little bit of a tough time getting used to this. And you can't afford much 
really, because you, you know we've seen it in the Scotties. Three losses is going to be enough or too much <laughs> to get you into the playoffs. And so I think uh, a little bit of trepidation about what's going to happen for that team, but there's lots of talent there. I think it's not too challenging to pick which four teams from each pool will make it into the championship round. Perhaps in pool A, it's a tiny bit easier than pool B, but there might be five teams in each. Either way, the way it looks, Ted, is that once it gets to the championship pool, you have probably going to have eight teams in there that can all win. Looking back at the Scotties last week, you you couldn't have said that, right? Going in, you no. wouldn't have said all eight were, were title contenders. There was maybe four. But in this situation, I would say, you know, going in, you have Brad Jacobs, Brendan Botcher, Mike McEwen, Jason Gunlickson, Glenn Howard, Steve Laycock out of Pool A, and then Epping, Gushu, Cooey, and Dunstone out of Pool B. Dunstone was a bronze medalist last year. Kevin Cooey's won so many times. Brad Gushu's won three of the last four. Brendan Botcher's lost in the final of the last three years. Brad Jacobs, when is he going to finally win again? I mean, every team has a, a great storyline heading into this of expectations to possibly win the whole thing. Somebody really good is not going to the championship round. Let's put it that way. And that's, uh, you know, it's a bit... Uh, it, it, it just is exciting, Christian. To me, I think like if you if you can't get interested in what's going on here with what the curlers call the greatest field in the history of this game, and you know realistically, last year's was probably the greatest field that we've ever seen, and some of the greatest play that we've ever seen at the Briar. And then they added more teams this year because of the COVID nineteen pandemic, and. You know, yes, they're coming in raw. They're not uh, going to be as sharp as they normally would be. But I think that these teams are completely jacked up to get out there and curl. And it's just going to be a slugfest once it gets to that uh, play, that championship round. And I do believe that you're right. I think you could pick any of the eight, and any of them could be a great champion for Canada. Well, and just looking back at the Scotties last week, where the championship pool the first day with the first two matches on Friday were were, were all amazing after a, a round robin where there were a lot of blowouts. And we're going to end up in a situation where on Sunday, the final three remaining, there's going to be some great teams sitting by the side of the road that won't be there. Yep. If, I'm put, if I'm putting you on the spot, Ted, who would you say is the favorite in this event? Well, I, I you know, I, it's going to sound like too easy, but, how do you vet against Brad Gushu? Uh, he's won this three of the last four years. He won last year in what many people say was one of the best fields that's ever been assembled for curling. Uh, you know, I think that you can't help but look at his team as having a pretty good situation here. They played a little bit in the Atlantic bubble early on, but they haven't played a ton and they haven't played a single game since the Briar as a full team. Cause Jeff Walker lives in Alberta and he was not there for those games in the Atlantic bubble. So there's a possibility of some rust there, but I really like that team's chances of being there uh, for the final. And, you know, you gotta love Brendan Botcher because of what he's done the last three years in total, I would say maybe the best team other than in the final, the last three years at the, at the Briar, and personally, I my pick to be in the final and not necessarily win it is Matt Dunstone. I just think that uh, that team is coming in with a fire 
uh, you know, in their belly to try to improve on what they did last year, which was a bronze medal. They're not going there just to have fun. They're going there to win it. They made a move in the offseason to bring in Kirk Myers, a former skip, as their second. They're trying to get their name right up there with the rest of those elite teams that we've talked about. And obviously, Maddie is a fantastic shooter. And I think that, you know, that in itself makes him an extremely exciting player for the Briar that people really like. Um, it's not going to be easy by any means, but I do think Matt Dunstone will win a Briar someday. So is this the year that he gets that top challenge up there? I, I have a feeling it might be. Because he is the wildcard team number two, do you feel Kevin Cooey, who added John Morris to his team, is flying a bit under the radar? Well, he probably is, but it's also that they didn't play very well the last two, or last year, I should say, at the Briar. They were not great as Team Canada, and they made a change after that um, with Colton Flash leaving the team and, uh, and, and John Morris coming in. You're, you're basically you're adding a two-time Olympic gold medalist. You're adding a guy who has played you know, second and third. Now, second, I'm sorry, but he, he was a skip. He's been a third, and now he's coming in to play second. And he's got all the talent in the world. And, you know, that whole team from Ben Hebert to uh, third B.J. Newfeld to Kevin Cooey, who I think is probably the best pure shooter I've ever seen play this game, uh, I, I think, you know, that's a really, really strong team. And I would not count them out. It's just that there's so many possibilities here that I think they're just one of them. I don't I don't make them as favorites, though. Okay. Uh, and f- just looking at uh, the fact that the, the Scotties have already happened, we've done the, the test run, basically. We know it's good. The conditions are going to change a bit. We know the ice was a little bit, uh, I don't know, it, not great the first couple days because everyone was trying to figure things out. So because of that and perhaps the, the curlers being able to watch how the conditions may have changed. Do you think we're going to have less rust to start this week than we had at the Scotties? Yes. And that's more than just that reason. I think the the men have had more opportunity to practice than the women did. The, a lot of the provinces opened up a little bit more uh, of their restrictions and allowed them the, you know, after it was too late for the women, unfortunately. So the men have had more practice time. They've had a chance to watch what happened on the ice with the women. Um, they've got a sense of it. And the ice makers themselves, it takes a little while to get the ice exactly right. It's not, you can't just make it and just say, okay, go play. Things change. Temperatures change. Uh, you've got to get used to the building and you've got to see how it reacts in game play. So it takes a little while to get it exactly right. And the curlers eventually at the Scotty started to figure it out. But early on, they were having a lot of trouble with the consistency of it. The key here is if it's consistent from day one, then look out for how well these guys can play. And one last note, Ted, on the uh, Women's Worlds. We're going to hear the Zoom audio later on in the show from Carrie Anderson's team. But uh, just we we, we heard this was coming. It's not a surprise. But how good is it that they've added the Women's Worlds to this bubble? How good is it that Canada gets a chance this time to actually to play in this championship? Well, I mean, super happy for Carrie Anderson and her teammates. Uh, They... You know, like so many people in this world, were affected by the COVID nineteen pandemic, and that their their opportunity to represent Canada was taken away from them last year, and that was obviously very unfortunate. And they wore that team, those Team Canada colors, very proud at the Scotties this year, knowing that if they won it, they might not even get a chance to go to the World Championship again. 
But now they get annou- it gets announced that there is going to be a World Women's Championship. It's going to be in the bubble in Calgary. And I'm pretty sure they're over the moon about it. It's just a, a fantastic opportunity. And, you know, I've been pretty, I, I'm not always uh, complimentary of Curling Canada. The, the, they do some great things. They do some things that puzzle me. But th- they've done a fantastic job getting this uh, bubble together. They've done a fantastic job executing it so far. And here they step up and add the World Women's Championship that really couldn't have been played anywhere else. And, you know, they're doing a great service to the game of curling. Ted, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the curling. All right. Thanks, Christian. So a week from tomorrow, the Winnipeg Ice will play their first game of the season against the Brandon Wheat Kings. They are currently in a Regina bubble. And joining us from there is the head coach of the Winnipeg Ice, James Patrick. James, how are you doing tonight? Good, Christian. Yeah, I just got uh, back to the dorm, which is where we're staying after our first practice in a year. So it uh, was uh, much anticipated, but it was a lot of fun to be out there. Um, it was, the guys had a, had a blast. Yeah, it must have been a thrill after all this time, not knowing for, for many months if and when you'd get started again to – actually be there and it it's all happening it's real it's uh yeah it is that to, to actually have a real practice so uh, you know with where the world has gone and and what's transpired in the last year um it, it didn't look uh promising you know if you would have said or asked uh, two months ago but uh uh fortunately you know i i just more than anything would just say the diligence and the sacrifice i guess from the ownership groups of the of all the teams in the league but you know it's almost it's division by division and so the Saskatchewan Manitoba teams uh you know to to go into a bubble to have you know testing uh you know almost uh you know every couple day testing to you know have a, a staff and the amount of players you know each team's allowed to have 35 people in the bubble and it's a huge undertaking it's a huge expense and so we're real fortunate, uh, you know, coaches and players. Um, I think we're just real fortunate that we could get back to playing real competitive games and and make something out of this season, have a competitive season, which is so important for development of of all of our young players. And and uh, you know, we're hoping that there can be uh, some sort of playoff system out of it. But uh, it's uh, it's fantastic that we're finally here. So. You mentioned you just had your first practice. When did you get into the bubble, and what has the process been like there leading up to today? Let me look. Uh, we've been we've been in the bubble for a week, um, so we've uh, uh, you know. I mean, the process was as soon as you you got here, you had to uh, unload your stuff in front of the dorms, go and park your car. Uh, one player at a time could come into the dorms. Uh, with the uh, big trolleys taking all your belongings into the elevator up to your room. And then you were in that room for a week. Every, all the rooms are single rooms kind of in, uh, in, I guess, quads or four single rooms to an apartment with a common kitchen and living room. But um, the only reason, the only purpose to leave your room was to, you know, the meals were left at the front door. You'd pick up your meal and you could use the uh, washroom and shower, um, 
so that's basically what the life's been like for the last week. Uh, we've had a lot of meetings. We've had Zoom meetings throughout the day. Uh, we've had workouts. Uh, you know, everyone brought uh, yoga mats and and some um, athletic gear, and we've we've had yeah, yoga classes and workouts every day. We've had a hockey video every day. We've had uh, some fun. We've uh, we had you know the whole uh, division had Sheldon Kennedy speak one night, which was unbelievable, um, incredible message. So we've. We've kept the kids busy, um, but we've tried to tried to give them some enjoyment as well, and uh, that's how we got through that the first seven days in a bubble. And you know, today was our first day. We got to get outside. We walked to the meal room. Previous to that, the meals were delivered to to the dorms. But uh, yeah, so we got to walk to the cafeteria, I guess, for our meals. And we um, we have two. Uh, uh, real large vans that can transport 15 people each. And that's how we're getting to and from the rink. So we were able to go to the rink. You're allowed to be there an hour before. And uh, it was like first day of training camp, guys getting fitted for equipment and, you know, brand new gear and then a hour and 15 minute practice. And you have to be out of the rink a half within a half hour of that. So that was kind of like our day today, but just to get out, to get on the ice was, was awesome. How close are you staying to the rink? Well, we're at the uh, University of Regina dorms, and it's probably about a 10-minute drive to uh, the Brandt Center, which is the main arena in uh, Regina where the uh, where the Pats play out of. Uh, and uh, you know, I think it's it's one of the best facilities, and certainly in our division, that could host um, seven teams and has the the dressing room facilities and the um, certainly what you need to be in a bubble. You need different access points to the arena. You have to. Um, keep the team separate, um, attached to it. There are some practice rinks that um, allow us to use more than one rink for the practice system because it's it's pretty tough on an ice surface to have seven high-end practices one after another. So they've been able to space those out a bit. But, uh, yeah, so our uh, for the next two months, our life is kind of between the dorm and the uh, brand center. That's That's part of our bubble. So you've got a week to prepare for your first game after not playing for a year. I think I did the math, 367 days between games, and your last game happened to be in Regina before everything got shut down. What do you have to do to be ready to, to play a hockey game in a week? It is, uh, you know, I mean, the good thing is we're all in the same in the same boat, all seven teams. And we, we've tried to do as much preparation as possible. We've, you know, throughout the whole year, we've had, uh, um, all the kids have been on workout programs. They've, we've had fitness testing on a monthly basis. Um, we've had zoom calls and meetings working on our culture, on values, on mental health skills, on hockey systems. So we've, we've really kept busy and it's, you know, the last, I would say three months we've, we've had, two to three zoom meetings a week. Um, so we've, we've tried to do a lot of the pre-preparation as far as system wise and you know, special teams and all that, but no matter what, uh, we've all been in a bubble for two weeks. So no one is not one player in our division has skated for the last two weeks. Um, and where most of our players are, a lot of the ranks have been closed, certainly in Manitoba and, Saskatchewan, they're open still in BC, but I think um, prior to the lockout, they were or prior to, prior to us going into quarantine, they were locked in Alberta. So most of our players haven't had access to rinks as well for the last three or four months. So they're doing a lot of outdoor skating. 
Um, so now, yeah, we have a week and it's, it's not like a normal training camp where you can go gung ho and full bore right off the bat. So we tried to do, a, you know, today, the first day on the ice, we had a lot of flow drills and then we tried to do a lot of teaching, just teaching and, um, you know, walking through a bit of, you know, D-zone coverage and, and different situations on the ice. And we're going to continue that throughout the week, every day kind of picking up the pace. And I'm hoping by day three or four, we can be going full bore. And day five of practice, we're hoping to have a whole total scrimmage day where we just uh, will scrimmage five on five, four on four, three on three, uh, do special teams and uh, try and make it somewhat game-like because – this uh, seven, eight days of practice are going to go real quick and, and we'll be in games, you know, before you know it. But it's we, we're trying to make the best out of this situation. We're trying to, again, we're trying to do a lot of teaching and a lot of development. We we do want to win. We want to win. We want to be competitive. We want to develop our young players. Um, and we want to give our 20-year-olds a chance to play in their last year junior. So those are all the different things that go into it. But uh um, we're, again, we're thankful for the opportunity. We're excited, and uh, um, yeah, I mean, I've never seen a happier group of players uh, getting on the ice and even coming off. So it was, it was a long time coming. So the team announced the roster today, entirely made up of Canadian players. Twenty-six of them, three goalies, eight defensemen, fifteen forwards. You got fifteen returning players for who uh, played games for the ice in nineteen twenty, and seven newcomers. Peyton Krebs is there coming off his experience with the Team Canada as well as uh, some time in the AHL with the Henderson Silver Knights. What kind of chemistry are you expecting to see out there, and how long will that take to develop? It's only 24 games in the season, but you're bringing back a lot of players for this team. Yeah, we we do. We, um, we really like our group. We really like the culture that has been developed over the last uh, – last two years um, or even our last year in Cranbrook, we, we really started uh, building with all our young players and it certainly, it was centered around Peyton who's a, um, not only a good player, a great person, but real competitor who's um, had a big influence on, you know, the Carson Lambos and Connor McLennans and all the younger players who've come along. But um, we've worked a lot on our zoom calls on, on values and what's important and, and uh, respecting your teammates and, and uh, you know, just playing with passion and compete. And a lot of, a lot of things that are real important that, uh, you know, that the message that coaches try and pass on to players, but um, it's, it's over the past two or three years, it's been, uh, you know, they've, they've really bought in and they, they preach the same things that we've been trying to, you know, push on them. But, and so I just saying that I really like this, the group, uh, you know, guys like Jake and Smallwood and, and uh, Cole Muir who've been, in, you know, going into their their third full year and parts of fourth in this league. And, um, you know, I, you know, they've, they're real good players now. They're, they're strong. They're 19 years old and they're, they're big, strong men. Um, so we, you know, again, uh, as far as the chemistry, even the younger players, uh, Connor Geeky played, you know, he played, I think eight or 10 games with us or more last year. Um, so we're, everyone is familiar with him. Skylar Bruce played a number of games. So some of the younger draft picks, Chase Berkelet as well. Um, have, you know, even though they didn't play with us, they, they've been part of our group. They've been to training camps. They've been to development camps. And uh, so I would, I mean, I do think we'll have as good a chemistry as, as we've had since, since I've been coaching the team over the last four years. 
um, everyone's pretty familiar with each other. And, and like, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's kind of what happens in this league when you get to draft kids and develop, and then you see as they progress through, through the ranks, um, um, you, you've had, you've had a, been able to have an input with them and an influence with them for, for a number of years. And, you know, that's kind of how we look at this group. And finally, James, last year you were heading, I think, on a collision course with the Brandon Weekings in the, for a playoff round matchup. It looked like that's probably what was going to happen. Does the rivalry still exist in a bubble situation? You play every team the same number of times. You start against Brandon. Is that still going to be a thing in in the bubble without the fans and that's kind of charged atmosphere? I wouldn't bet against it <laughs> to start with. Um, you know, I, I mean, there was uh... – there was some hard feelings from both teams. Uh, you know, we felt we had a real good team. You know, we were really, you know, really coming on strong the second half last year. And so were they. And they, they have a really good team. They had two first round draft picks. They got, you know, a number of good players, some really good young players as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's great for the game. Um, it's, I think it's great for the two cities when, you know, when we're two hours apart and we, you got two good teams and, and they compete against each other so hard. Um, I, I will, you know, I think I expect it to be the same in the bubble. Um, you know, we, uh, the coaches have been on a lot more conference calls and, and I know Don McGilvery really well. He's, he's been a real successful junior coach for a long time. And, and, uh, you know, I think he's, you know, he's going to have them playing real good, real intense, uh, you know, high pressure offensive hockey. They, you know, they, I thought they played, uh, Last year, they system wise, they were as aggressive and a real good, quick transition team. So I expect nothing less from them this year. Um, I do, you know, we it is when you haven't seen a team, you haven't seen players for, like you said, 360 days. You don't, you know, it's amazing. We got Connor Geeky is 25, 30 pounds heavier than he was a year ago. Anson McMaster is 30 pounds heavier. Like, and it's across the board. Every you know, so I, I know what teams look like a year ago. I don't know what they're going to look like a week from now. Um, and and then you also throw in that every team here has, has brought, a, you know, a number of young guys because you're also, you know, it's real important that you give some of the young guys an opportunity to develop and a chance to play. So I think that's going to, you know, factor into it. But I, I still think uh, there there was some real strong feelings from last year, and it'll carry over. Well, James, I wish you the best of luck in the bubble. Glad that the WHL is able to get this going, and we'll stay tuned to see how you guys do. Thanks for this tonight. Okay, thank you, Christian, and uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your